Hi, I'm Daniela Stockflet Menis. Welcome to my podcast, because everyone has a story, the place to give ordinary people's stories the chance to be shared and preserved. Or stories become the language of connections. Let's enjoy it, connect and relate, because everyone has a story. For this episode, I am proud to introduce Dorsey Ross. Dorsey was born with Asperger's syndrome, a genetic disorder characterized by deformities of the skull, face, and limbs. His parents' love, the support of his church, and his tenacious personality contributed to him being where he is now, a youth minister, speaker, author, and podcaster. Yes, he has his own show, too, The Dorsey Ross Show. Dorsey had to overcome more obstacles in his life than most regular people can even imagine. And yet, he has never stopped persevering. Let's enjoy his story. Welcome, Dorsey, to, to my show, Because Everyone Has a Story. I am thrilled that you decided to come here and share a story for us. Well, thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate it. Dorsey, Tell me how the story starts. Well, I was born on January 16th, 1977, with a birth defect called Aplet Syndrome. And when I was born, my forehead was pushed out with my eyes and nose were pushed back into my head and my fingers and toes refused to get at me and I had no individual movement of them. The doctors were unaware, and even my parents were unaware about my disability and about even being born with a disability. They didn't have the testing and they didn't have the technology like they do today to figure out if a baby's going to be born with a birth defect and what the outcome is going to be. So when the doctors examined me, they also found out that I had no skull opening and no short spot to allow my brain to grow and allow my brain to function normally. And because of this, they had told my parents that I would become brain dead and that the best option for them would be to sign the paper over and to put me into a institution. And thankfully, my parents both knew and both were people of faith, and they said, you know what, look, we're not going to do that. We're just going to take him home and see what will happen with him. How is God going to take care of the child that he has just given us? And they took me home and they took me to another hospital and the doctor there said, you know, we can operate on your son, we can open up his skull to relieve the pressure and relieve the stress on his brain and if we do this, he'll survive, he'll have a lot of difficulties and a lot of struggles that he'll have to face, but he'll He'll make it. Huh. So, and your parents told you afterwards how they felt? 
Yeah, they said, you know, that they were like, you know what, look, regardless of what you were going to be like and regardless of the outcome of these operations, we were never going to give up on you. We were just going to take you home and love you on you and care for you regardless of what was going to happen to you in the future. And at what age did they share this with you? They shared that with me multiple times growing up. Probably the earliest may have been around eight or ten. But in between, it must have been hard for you to grow and noticing that you were different. Well, yes, yes and no. And one of the reasons why I say that is because my parents, they treated me as someone that was normal that didn't have a any type of birth defect. Yes, I wasn't ignorant of the fact that I did have a birth defect and that I was different. But at the same time, I had backing on my parents who treated me as someone that was normal. And they allowed me to figure out for myself what I could and could not do. And couldn't wasn't very months. And even when I went to a school for people with disabilities when I was very young, my mom told me at one point that I had told her that, why are these kids different? Or why am I going to a school with kids that are different? Because that's how they ingrained me was the fact that I wasn't different. Although on, on the same, on the flip side of that coin, I knew that I was. And so, how was that feeling, though? I mean, it was, it was hard. You know, obviously it was hard for me to to realize that I was different and to know that I was different because I grew up, you know, with people making fun of me and people looking at me and staring at me and calling me names and being bullied. I was called names like monster and freak multiple times throughout my life and even when I was in school, going to a school for people with disabilities, even in that school and in that climate, I was teased and bullied and and made fun of. So it was it was definitely not an easy life growing up. But at the same time I had the loving nation, loving atmosphere knowing that I'm going to walk home and have two loving parents who are going to, I'm going to be able to talk to them about what I went through and what I had to deal with today. And that they're going to love on me and care for me and, you know, support me and how I'm feeling. Dorsey, was that enough? And yes, your parents love you, but the rest of the people were not very nice to you. Well, I grew up, you know, I grew up in the church and I went to the church and I believed in, in God and I knew, you know, I knew that God loved me. I knew that God allowed me to be born the way that he did and allowed me to be born this way for a reason and purpose in my life. And I knew that the people in the church, you know, loved on me and, and cared for me and supported me 
as well. So you also had the church community supported you. Right. Good. Okay, so you have God, the community, and your parents. Right, correct. And then what happened? So you went to elementary, you went to high school as well? Yes, I went to, as I said, I went to the school for people with disabilities. I went from there, from kindergarten all the way up to high school. I went to that same school. Growing up, I part of a sports team, baseball and bowling sports team for people with disabilities, and I was part of that group, and I was also part of the youth group that I went to sit with, and, you know, the kids in that, and the teenagers in that group, they supported me, and they cared for me, and they loved on me as well. So I had the support and the connection with them as well. And I even, you know, I was able to, at the age of 19, I was able to graduate high school. Good, good. That sounds like a good support community for you. Yes, it was. That's wonderful. And so what happened then? How did the story continue? Well, at the age of 19, I was getting ready to graduate high school. Because I went to the school for people with disabilities, not every student that I went to high school with was able to go on to college. Some of them went on to to do training, and some of them went on to live in group homes, or some of them went on to live at home. But I didn't do well in school. I didn't do well on certain tasks and certain subjects. So there was a big discussion about, will Dorsey be able to go on to college? Will he be able to even make it in college? So at this meeting, my high school history teacher was there, and he was asked, do you think that Dorsey will be able to make it in college? He said, no, I don't think that Dorsey will be able to make it in college. I don't think he has the ability to make it in And then they asked me, and I said, yeah, I think I can make it. I didn't know what what I was getting myself into or what exactly was going to happen or how difficult college was actually going to be for me. And then they asked, you know, my mom, she said, well, you know, if he thinks that he can make it, he will. I always wanted to persevere in everything and anything that I wanted to, to do. If you put something in front of me and said, hey, Dorsey, I want to see you be able to do that, I would at least try it one time and see what would happen. I had to, from the time I was young till the time I was in college, I had over 68 operations over my lifetime to reconstruct my face and to separate my fingers because my fingers at birth, they refused to get me and I had no individual movement of them and I couldn't move my fingers. So I was very limited in some respect on what I could do and what even people thought that I would be able to do. Schooling was one of them and I wanted to see, even if I failed, I wanted to see, would I be able to make it in college. So I went on. I went on to Queensborough Community College to study liberal arts 
And the first couple of weeks there were very... 68 operations, that's a lot. And that's between what age? From about six weeks when I had my first operation to open the skull to allow my brain to grow until I was about 21, 22 when I fell in barber college and I broke my arm. And because of my arms, the way they are, I don't have the full functionality of them, meaning that I can't raise them above my head. I can't straighten my arm out all the way because the way I broke my elbow, I had to have the pins, you know, put back or put into my arm. So they had to operate on my arm. And that was one of the last major operations that I had. Wow. That, that's certainly hard. Certainly hard having so many operations. Very brave. From what you're telling me about the teacher saying, I don't think he can go to college, but you said, yes, I think I can't, that perhaps your personality also had something to do with all this success that you had because you persevere and also you have tenacity and even though people were bullying you and uh, you were really still standing and feeling strong. Right. I think all of us have some type of tenacity, but I think like you're saying for me, it was definitely my tenacity and my personality that allowed me to, to do that. Yes, exactly. So I think that you came with your own strengths. That is what's making you succeed and carry on through all these challenges that you're having. Right. So you enter college. Right. I ended Greensburg Community College in August of 1996. The first couple of weeks that I was at this college were very difficult for me because I went to a school where I knew everybody. I knew all the teachers. I knew most of the students to a college where there were probably 2,000 students where I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody by name. I didn't know anybody by face. The subjects were harder for me. The the texts were harder for me. In the first couple of weeks, I would get nervous at night. I would get sick at night. At one point, I even had a discussion with my mom about the possibility of quitting and looking to do something else. She had said, well, why don't you take it a few more weeks and see what will happen? And I remember going to a church service where I heard about that they had a Chi Alpha Christian group, a Bible study on that campus. And I went to that, again, meeting new people, making new friends. I was like, hey, here are the people that will help support and encourage you during this time. And from that time on until four years later when I graduated, I was no longer sick. Four years later, I was able to receive my associate's degree in liberal arts. That's wonderful. And Dorsey, how was being in school? Like, yes, you said that you didn't know any faces, anybody, but how did the people treat you? For the most part, they treated me fairly well, even outside of the... Bible study group, I was able to meet new friends and meet new people. You know, they weren't really the ones that would stare at me or point at me or make fun of me. For the most part, they were, hey, you know, we're going to be nice to this guy and be friends with him, make fun of him. Maybe they'll ask me questions like, 
what happened to you or why do you look like that? Which is a fine question to ask. But when you go to the question of, hey, you look you look scary or you look like a monster, that's not nice things to say. You know, I think people with disabilities, if you go up to them and you say to them, Hey, can I help you today? Hey, look, I see I see the way that you are. Can you tell me your story or can you explain to me what happened to you? I would like to get to know you better. So that's something that you appreciate when people approach you and ask you, or are you like tired of people asking you? I don't mind people asking me questions, as long as they're appropriate questions and appropriate time to ask me those questions. I would rather have people ask me questions than having them look at me and, hey, I wonder what happened to that guy. Okay. All right. You went to college and you were in Bible studies. And when you went to college, you already knew what you wanted to study? I did. I In my teenage years, I, as I said, I was part of the youth group. And I thought about becoming a, a youth pastor, a minister. So after I went on to graduate from community college, I went on to go on to Bible college. I went on to the University of Valley Forks to study youth ministry. In August of 2002, I got a call from my sister that my mom had had a stroke and that she wasn't doing well. Around the same time that I had fallen and, and broke my arm, so both of my parents had to come down and visit me and to take care of me for a couple of days to make sure I'm okay in the, in the hospital. And then a few months later, in, in December 7, 2002, I got another call. My sister again tells me that my mom had passed away. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. And so then what happened? I knew that my mom wouldn't have wanted me to quit. I knew that my mom wouldn't have wanted me to to give up. You know, a lot of people may have said, well, you know, you could have taken a break. You could have, you could have taken the semester off, went home and taken care of your dad. But I knew that my mom wouldn't have wanted me to quit. So I kept on, again, persevering. I kept on pushing forward. On May 5th, 2005, I was able to cross the stage to receive my bachelor's arts degree in youth ministry. Okay, excellent. Wow, that's pretty good. So how many years do you study then, the college and the university? It took me nine years total. Okay, and because you have to take it slowly, like you took less subjects or? Right, I took less subjects. Community college, I had to take a couple of subjects over again and because I failed them, you know, the first time. And Dorsey, what are the things that you can't do? For example, you say you, you, you can you drive, uh, you know, when you were living on your own, you had to have special accommodations or how, how is it? You know, that's interesting that you asked me about, about driving because a lot of people ask me that, you know, when I go to, and speak at different churches and different events, they'll ask me, they'll be like, so how did you get here? I'm like, I drove. And they're like, you drive? I'm like, yeah, I drive. And thank God I somehow I don't have to have any special equipment to drive. And, 
even at home, I, I live, my dad lives with me, and he's 90 years old, but I still, you know, don't have to have any special equipment at the house or any special accommodations at the house to help me out. For the most part, I take care of myself. I'm able to do everything that most you know, normal people can can do. Oh, that's wonderful. And your father is 90 years old and he lives with you? Yes, I do. Yeah, I look after him. And you do have a sister as well? I do. I have one older sister and she lives down in North Carolina right now with her family. I see. All right. Well, that's wonderful. So then you graduated. Right. And then what, you had to find a job. People, how, how did that go? Yeah, I even before I graduated and after, I went on several job interviews and looking for, you know, ministry opportunities with the youth. You know, no doors would actually open up. And I was about, God, why is this happening? What is going on? Why isn't this working out for me? And then I was given an opportunity at my old church in, back in New York where they allowed me to share my story. And it was there that, let me send this video out and see what will happen. So I started to make a lot of, which I still do, a lot of cold calls to pastors and to churches to see if they would allow me to come and speak at their church and at their events. So that's what I've been doing for the last 14 years is traveling around the U.S. giving my story. So that, that, that is excellent. So you were very clever. You were invited to one presentation, and then you thought, well, maybe if I take videos and go around, people will have me. Right. Yeah, that's that's very good. And so this is what you do. You go around, but you still have to call call or people know of you. I do. Yeah, I, I most most of the time it's me it's me call calling them, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. But who who pays for these trips? You have to pay. No, they if it you know, most of the time it's the church paying for these trips. Oh, okay, okay, good, good. And you get also pay? Yes, I get a um honorarium or a love offering. Okay, wonderful. Good. Well, that's amazing. That's a really interesting story. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You said that you appreciate when people ask you how was that this happens to you more than people looking at you. But, you know, the, the, the truth is that even somebody has red hair or somebody has a big tattoo, people always look. So that's why I think that you have to have a very thick skin to be able to go through life with a big disability and carry on. So can you share what you do? How do you talk to yourself when when something like this happens that is uncomfortable and it may be hurtful? Yeah, well, when I was growing up, I, you know, I didn't always have that thick skin you're talking about. A lot of the things that people would say to me and people would tell me would be hurtful. And even when I was an, an adult, people would say things to me. It would hurt. It would sting. I had to learn. I had to realize that sometimes there's the old saying, hurt people, hurt people, meaning that if they're saying hurtful things to you, they've probably been hurt in the past as well by someone else. So that's probably why they're saying hurtful things to you. So I had to learn and to 
realize that saying and comments that people would say to me allow them to influence me or allow them to come into my my mind and my heart to affect me. It's interesting what you're saying. When you go around telling your story, you want people to learn how your parents didn't give up on you and you got where you are, or you also want people to be more open with disabilities? Yeah, you know, when I travel around and I speak, especially when it comes to the churches, I'm speaking from the Bible, so I'm using a, a story from the Bible that I can relate to similarly to my story, and then I'm preaching on that to help people to overcome difficulties that they may be facing in their own life at this moment in time. And do you also go to schools? I have gone to schools. I, I don't go to schools as much as I would, I would like to, but I, I have gone to schools before. Ah, okay, okay. Hmm. Interesting. And any projects that you're having in mind for the coming years? Well, I, I have my own podcast. It's called the Dorsey Show. Continue on with that and continue on interviewing people of influence and people of who have inspiring stories. So that's my big project right now and hopefully to continue traveling and continuing sharing my story. Tell us a little bit about your podcast. When did you start it and how did you decide to start this? I started it just after someone interviewed me for their own podcast. And I was like, you know what? That sounds like a lot of fun. Let me see, try to start it and see what will happen with it. You know, the first couple of months that I did it, I would do it like once every few weeks. Now that I'm on different websites promoting myself and trying to get guests to come on my show, I've gotten a lot of people to say, hey, I would love to come on your show and what I would like to speak about. So I have a lot of guests within the next couple of months to come on to my show. You said that it's a lot of fun, and you're right. I agree with you as a podcaster. We are having a lot of fun doing episodes and meeting people. Also, I know that you wrote a book. I did. You want to tell us a little about your book? It's my autobiography. It's my story about my life and go deep into what we talked about today, about what I faced and what I've struggled with in my life. You can get it on Amazon, and you can also get it on my website, com, and it's called Overcoming. You will put the link for your book and your podcast on the show notes. Okay, great. And Dorsey, how long did it take you to write the book? It took me several years, actually, in the beginning. I didn't really know what I was doing. I had people pointing me and telling me, you need to write your book, you need to write your story. And I was like, all right, no problem. I wasn't really gung-ho about it, I guess. So it took me a few years to write it the first time. So why the second edition? No, I I think it was the same book, but I think things in it. And also a friend of mine told me that there was like a lot of grammatical errors in it, a lot of spelling errors in it. So that's why I wanted to do the second one. So that way the grammar was better, the spelling was better. 
you know, different things of that nature. Ah, wonderful. So wonderful. What a, an accomplishment. You wrote a book as well, and you have a podcast, you're a public speaker, and you have done a lot of things in your life so far. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, and so you are looking forward to more podcast episodes, and you think you will write more books? People have asked me that before. I mean, I don't know. It's a possibility, I guess. At this point, I'm not really... No, that's not really on my on my mind at the moment. All right. And so, Dorsey, anything that you will give as an advice or that you tell somebody when they feel, you know, that they have a, an issue or they, don't, they feel that they can, that life is hard, is there any message or anything that you usually tell them? Yeah, I would say life is going to be hard. Unfortunately, that's just the way life is. Regardless of how hard life is, we just need to persevere and we just need to push through every day and wake up every day and just know that, you know, eventually it's going to be better. Know that there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. And it was always a light at the end of the tunnel for you. Right, absolutely. Good. And that's because you had your community, your family, and your amazing, strong personality. Right, definitely. Thank you very much for sharing your story. You have enriched my life with your story, and I am grateful to you for that. Well, thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Darcy. Thanks. I am Daniela Stockfled Menis. You were listening to Because Everyone Has a Story. Follow this story and many others on Instagram at bhas.podcast. Join me next time for another story conversation. Thank you for listening. Hasta pronto.